Good morning once again. This is Pastor Vaughn Cash with you on the Temple Time broadcast this morning. I trust and pray that you are all doing very well and enjoying the blessings of our Lord on this beautiful Lord's Day. Last Sunday, I started sharing with you some thoughts on worship, and in particular, worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29 is our key verse, and it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, last Sunday, we left off with the encounter between Jesus Christ and the Samaritan woman at the well who was questioning him about worship. And just very briefly, I don't have the time to go through all that we talked about before this point, but we'll begin here this morning. This Samaritan woman, in questioning Jesus about worship, pointed out that the fathers worshipped God on the mountain where they were at the time. And then she pointed out to him how Jews, on the other hand, they pointed out how the right place to worship God was in the city of Jerusalem at the temple. And then Jesus went on to teach her that the location where worship takes place is not what is of ultimate importance to God. And so he mentioned the fact that true worship is worship that comes forth from our heart and from our spirit. In verse 23 of John chapter 4, Jesus said, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So what Jesus was getting across to this Samaritan woman in teaching about worship, he says that true worship is worship that will emanate from the spirit and not the flesh. And so it doesn't matter where that worship is taking place. As important as the city of Jerusalem and the temple of God was back in those days, Jesus says what God really pays attention to is the condition of our hearts when we are worshiping and the worship that comes forth from our heart, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, from the spirit and not from the flesh. He also points out to her that true worship will emanate from a truthful and pure heart and not what we would refer to as fake worship. In other words, worship that is done simply because we're going through the motions or at some ritual or at some traditional thing that we are going through and uh, they are considered to be acts of worship, but not really worship that's connected to our hearts. And we also mentioned in First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, where God says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so that's where I want to start off this morning, talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and then also transitioning into what our text says this morning, worshiping God in the beauty of holiness. There are three times in the scriptures where we see the admonition to worship God or worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, there has to be something to this if God admonishes us to worship him in this way. 
So let's read these three scripture references. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then Psalm 29, verse 2, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And Psalm 96, verse 8 and 9, it says, Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, I want to briefly define the three words that's used in this statement that's made in the three of these scripture texts, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. First, let's look at this word worship. It simply means to prostrate oneself or to bow down before. Now, this places emphasis on the physical act of worship, but what is implied is that the true worship that comes from the heart of an individual may lead them into a physical action, which in this case is prostrating oneself before God or bowing down before God. The second word, beauty, has to do with an added ornament or decoration. In other words, it's something that you add to your physical being in order to enhance the way you look. For example, we add paint to our homes. Now, that's not to do with the body, but just as an illustration. We add paint to our homes to spruce it up and to make it look a whole lot better. And then once that home is painted, people will look at it and say, oh boy, what a beautiful home. We also, physically speaking, women in particular, add makeup to their faces and the color to their hair to enhance their physical appearance. And again, that's associated with a woman looking beautiful. And we also personally, sometimes um, men and women, we add gold chains, earrings, diamond rings, and stuff like that uh, to our hands, to our ears, and so forth to enhance the way we look. And again, when we put these things on and people look at us, the comment that they make has to do with beauty, how we appear, and the fact that there is something beautiful about our appearance. So that's the word beauty in the scriptures that we read. And then there's the word holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And holiness in the context simply means to set apart unto the Lord. Another word that we use from a New Testament perspective is sanctification, which carries the idea of being devoted, being consecrated, or being dedicated to God's purposes. And that, in a nutshell, is what we are talking about when we use this word holiness, or as this word holiness is used in these scripture verses. To set apart unto the Lord, to sanctify, to be devoted, consecrated, or dedicated to God's purposes. In the Bible, for example, to illustrate this, the temple was considered to be holy. The house of God, the temple, was considered to be holy. The furniture and instruments in the temple were considered holy or declared to be holy because they were set aside and set apart for the use of worship in the house of God. The priests were also in the scriptures described as being holy 
because again, they were set apart and sanctified to the service of worship in the house of God. Even the garments that the priests wore were considered to be holy garments, set aside to be worn in their service of worship. The Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God in the temple was also considered to be a holy piece of furniture within the house of God. We also read in the scriptures that the seventh-day Sabbath was also described as being holy. Certain sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament system of worship were also described as holy sacrifices. The anointing oil that was used in the house of God was also described as holy anointing oil. And so this is the idea that God had in mind when he uses this word holiness in relation to our worship. In other words, those of us who engage in the worship of God, we are to present ourselves as being holy unto the Lord, set apart and sanctified unto the worship of our God. And then finally, in the scriptures, God himself is described as being holy, set apart from sin of any kind whatsoever. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words about the holiness of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, the prophet said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And so in this experience in the house of God, in the temple, here in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was exposed to the holiness of God. And having been exposed to the holiness of God, his own sinfulness was also exposed. And so the holiness of God sets him aside from anything and anyone that has to do with sin. God is separated and set apart from sin in any way, shape, or form. Now, the interesting thing about this is that God encourages us and admonishes us to worship him in this same way, to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, it says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So what God is saying to us in this admonition to worship God in the beauty of holiness, he is admonishing us to beautify our worship by adding to it a life that is holy totally set apart 
unto the Lord. It's just like Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's worship on another level altogether. And so God is saying to us who worship him that we ought to add the aspect of a holy life to our worship. Worshiping God out of a life of holiness. A holy life that is totally consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. That's what makes our worship a beautiful thing for God to behold. So God is not just looking for worship out of tradition or worship going through the motions or worship going through some ritualistic experience, but what God is looking for in our worship is worship that comes from a life that is a holy life, a life that is set apart and set aside wholly unto the Lord. And so we have to make sure that we don't make the mistake that Israel as a nation made in their worship. God himself had established a system of worship for the nation of Israel recorded in the book of Leviticus. But in the book of the prophet Malachi, this pure holy system of worship had become defiled and polluted. And that's where I want us to pick up next Sunday, Lord willing, because we are out of time for today. So I would encourage you in preparation for our study next week to read Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 through verse 14, where God had a problem with the unholiness of the worship that was being offered to him by the nation of Israel. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you are a Christian, who offers worship to God to make sure that we give God the kind of worship that Jesus said emanates from our spirit and emanates from our heart, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and also worshiping God in the beauty of holiness, a life that is holy and set apart to the Lord himself and worshiping God out of that kind of life and that kind of lifestyle. That is the kind of worship that is acceptable to God. So if you are on your way to church this morning, I trust and pray that when you enter the house of God, the worship that you offer unto him will be worship that is in the beauty of holiness. Our Father and our God, we thank you today for the privilege that is ours to worship you. And we give you thanks for allowing us into the very holy of holies today to bow before you, prostrate ourselves before you, and to give unto you the worship that is due unto your name. Worship that is acceptable in your sight. We give you thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.